0: We've hit record. I hit the record button. We're recording. This should be a freaking great episode. Here we go. It's the Monster Baby podcast.
1: A curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation.
0: My name's Ted and I grew up in Boston.
1: <laughs> I'm Lisa Roland, and I did not. So uh-huh. we're just talking like a Californian.
0: I mean, California's kind of had a universal accent, from, yeah. what, from what I understand. That's
1: what I understand.
0: So, okay. I'm back to California There's now.
1: nothing unique about me. No. I sound like everybody else. You
0: sound like all the Californians. I'm standard.
1: I sound standard.
0: Mm, interesting you mentioned that.
1: Oh, why is that?
0: Because this episode is about uniqueness. It's
1: true. Specialhood.
0: Singularity. Yeah. Or not.
1: Or not. And the paradox between how how we are all unique and how unique are we if all of us are unique
0: whoa my head's already spinning
1: i know this is a sort of an interesting episode it has a little meandery quality to it i think we cover interesting ground and it, it's it, we sort of like discover these pockets of interesting ground as we go so i hope i hope you all enjoy
0: hope you're with us in the pockets. i hope you're with
1: us yeah i hope you stick around yeah and, uh, and if not i get it we'll come back next time
0: <laughs> <laughs> hopefully you'll come back next time another thing to be aware of is that there's a section in the middle where we had uh, one of these little technical snafus. Oh yeah,
1: we discovered Ted's mic stopped recording for a
0: while. So there's a stretch if it's going to be included is going to sound a little bit odd and my the sound quality of my voice will not match the superlative sound quality of Lisa's voice, but hopefully it will be audible and clear and understandable because yeah. we thought that was a good conversation.
1: Yeah, so hang with us during that during during the construction, during that part.
0: That said, uh, we hope the conversation proves fruitful for you. Yeah. And... Uh, Always. You are unique. You're lovely. We love you.
1: Just like you're everybody sp- else. You're special,
0: but just like you everybody are else.
1: You are as special as everybody else. Enjoy!
0: Check, one, two, checkity, check, one, two. Looks like I'm getting some good volume on the microphone. Leaving it home, not all alone. Showing it down to the bone. What we're going to do with the microphone. Yes. Tell me a story. Don't make it gory. I want to die in a battlefield of glory like Hamilton. I'm going to the show tonight. You see, that's right. That's the way to display your might in front of a crowd. Don't have to be loud. Just take it slow and get yourself... Where you need to be.
1: (laughs) That was very nice. Thank you. Yeah. Check, check. How are we doing?
0: Uh, You're looking pretty good over there, too. we okay? I think you're good. Yeah, I can... uh, It's always adjustable. Always adjustable. You're not uh, going crazy. I'm not going
1: crazy. Well. Right. I'm not going to fully endorse (laughs) that statement. Okay.
0: (laughs) You... Do you have evidence to suggest that I am, in fact, going crazy? No, I just... You just want to allow the possibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You're going to Hamilton tonight. You won the Hamilton lottery. Yeah.
0: I am... I'm not going crazy, but I am pretty giddy. Yeah. Because I did. I won the Hamilton lottery yesterday. I enter every day. Which is amazing. Well, it comes up on my app. I get a little reminder on my phone. Do you, you know want to enter the lottery? Of course I do. Yeah. So yesterday, I got a little notification... You've won.
1: Yeah, amazing. What?
0: And I had to do some scrambling because I did have a class, my final class tonight uh-huh. of my mindful communication group was scheduled, but they all understood. They, they were right with me.
1: Great. I'm and sure you practiced some mindful communication in addressing the topic with them.
0: I did. I tried to make it playful. I said, hey, I've got great news. <laughs>
1: <laughs> For me.
0: And then I said, "Hey, I've got tricky news. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it actually worked out fine because next week we we're going to start up another class that most of the people were going to do anyway, and then we we're going to have to take a one-week break. So now we're just going to finish this course the and, MacBook, then it, and then start and then after, after, the, after break. the break. Yeah, perfect.
1: So and then some, as if it were meant to be.
0: Right. One of the students tonight also wanted to go to the theater tonight and was having a conflict about that, as he said. He was in a quandary, great word, uh, quandary no more, because now he can go see Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Great. So everybody's happy. Where's Charlie in the Chocolate Factory? At the Golden Gate Theater. Oh, wow. I did not go to Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. But
1: you are but going to Hamilton.
0: I'm going to Hamilton, and uh,
1: that's that. Great. How are you doing? Fine. I don't have any big news, I don't think. Okay. I have, like, like the second half of this week was, was nicely paced. I had some, like, downtime, and I'm doing a good job of feeling like I'm not out of control of my life.
0: By having downtime, you mean?
1: Well, downtime helps. Yeah, that helps. Yes. But I'm using it well, like I'm keeping my apartment clean. Mmm. And that works out real well for me.
0: <laughs> and that's... Not your default mode.
1: That is not. No, no. Uh-huh. My default mode is just descending to into chaos. Right. Which I think, you know, entropy is at work with all of us, but my, I feel like the force is stronger with it me. Is that like
0: Charybdis? Is that the
1: dog guarding the gates of hell? Oh.
0: Descending into chaos? Kerberus? Cerberus? Cerberus? Cerberus.
1: Is it the three-headed dog?
0: Charybdis? I, Charybdis? We need. Can we get a Greek scholar in you here? Have a, can we get a Greek scholar, please? You
1: have a. We have machines. We could find out.
0: We do have machines. I don't know. It
1: doesn't. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. But I'm just saying. Like normally, I live in some some level of disorder and disarray, and that's not not true right now. But but there's a, it's to a lesser degree, and so okay. that feels good.
0: Okay, I like that you're back home.
1: Yeah, from Mexico.
0: Yeah. Well, you you've been like monarch butterfly in migration the last yeah. five months it's felt like and the few times that you have been home i've been somewhere else i, yeah. I haven't been traveling nearly as much because yeah, of yeah, yeah all the book stuff but in the little windows that you were back i was somewhere else anyway but i know i didn't notice it as much until you got back the other day and we've talked a few times on the phone yeah. we saw each other i went to your show yeah and I notice my spirit's feeling lifted like,
1: Aww. oh,
0: my body's back in town. <laughs> <That's> nice. <laughs> yeah. It's really, uh, there's some, something about our connection that I feel your force field and like a
1: little
0: buoy. A yeah. buoy to my spirits when you're, oh, when you're that's around. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I also feel happy to be back for a while.
0: Okay. I have a question for you. Yeah. Which is, I'm wondering if in your travels you have come up with, either come up with or found a new little game that we can play cuz it's been a while since we've played a game on the podcast a little warm up
1: uh no i
0: haven't but and, and i'm like poison oak itching to try one
1: i don't think i have any new games hmm
0: <laughs> we could try some tongue twisters
1: do you know the mother pheasant plucker
0: <laughs> no
1: oh yeah these are my favorites from college okay I am a mother pheasant plucker.
0: I am a mother pheasant plucker. I pluck mother pheasants. (laughs) I pluck mother pheasants. I am the most pleasant mother pheasant plucker. I am the most pleasant mother pheasant plucker (laughs) ever to pluck a mother pheasant. (laughs) Ever to pluck a mother pheasant. I am not. I am not. The fig plucker. The fig plucker. (laughs) I am the fig plucker's son. I am the fig plucker's son. I am only plucking figs. I'm only plucking figs until the fig plucker comes. Until the fig plucker comes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I am not the fig plucker. I am the fig plucker's son. I am only plucking figs until the fig plucker comes. Yeah, that's it. Wow.
1: Those are mine. Those are (sighs) mine.
0: Those are kind of racy.
1: I know. Racy. I I slit
0: the sheet. The sheet I slit. Mm -hmm. And on the slitted sheet I I sit. sit.
1: Yeah. We're doing tongue twisters now.
0: That's what we're doing to warm up for this? we're, We're at least trying them out. I have a topic that I'd love to... Try out. Great. I've planned a little bit, just a, a micro touch. I know, I see your typed up notes over there. Just, <laughs> They're just phrases. Yeah. They're just phrases. But the, right. t- here's the topic. Yeah. Uniqueness. Yeah. Uniqueness, not in the sense that anybody needs to be really unique or... Have you ever heard people say that? Oh, that's really unique.
1: Yes. As it being redundant. Yeah, I understand. Yeah.
0: No, I I was thinking of it, and I sort of like had all these this like web of possibilities.
1: So mm-hmm. I thought, ooh, cool, let's just explore it. So what made you? What how did it come to you? Like, what do you mean by uniqueness? And what and where did you get inspired for that?
0: I think that it came out of. I think it came out of class, a mindfulness class I was teaching, and we were talking about the paradox of each of us being like we're just specks of dust in the, on a galactic scale. We just don't matter. We're ants in a colony. Of, we're an ant in a colony of ants. We're mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of seven billion people. Like, We're predictable. We move in patterns. Yeah. You know, not so unique. And yet we have this feeling of being so precious and so like there's nobody else like me in the world and there's, you know no fi- two fingerprints are the same no two snowflakes are the same that kind of mm-hmm. notion and and we hold we put that in such high regard yeah like that's really important to us i mm-hmm. think to most people
1: to be to be different
0: to be different and and to feel special yeah and so i feel like that paradox is a really fruitful one to explore and do
1: you uh, think do you think that's an American thing? Do you think that's a human now, thing? As an I American was saying thing? it,
0: I was wondering about that cultural piece.
1: Yeah, because we're such an individualist—like we sort of worship individuals who yep. do who rise above the crowd and do something different and yep. blaze Mavericks. their own trail.
0: I think that's part of it, and I would I would say Western culture as a whole sort of celebrates that individualism. Yeah, but Eastern cultures, Asian cultures even South American cultures, it's much more about the group. Mm-hmm. But I still think that even people who live as part of a group like being seen as unique, like being singled out, recognized, appreciated. Right. That Why do you think that? That's just been my experience. Like w- with them.
1: With people from other cultures yeah. is that they still like being... Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then maybe it's me caught in my own worldview, but I just would have a hard time that people wouldn't, Like that, but I recognize that may be me.
1: Yeah, but but we can talk about our worldview. I mean, that's fine. Yeah, Yeah. even if it's not a a worldwide shared one.
0: So there was, there was that, and I just think that that gets to, you know, one of the fundamental desires that Buddhism talks about is the desire to be seen.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like, you know, hey, look at me, I'm here.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And why is that so powerful? What does that what does that please in us? So that was where I started. Yeah. Do you think of yourself as a unique improviser?
1: Unique meaning unlike any other improviser. I guess. Well, is that what you mean by unique? Like when you think of uniqueness, is that sort of what you imagine mm-hmm. we're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One a kind, of a kind. A kind of
0: a singularity. Yeah.
1: Yes. But I'm under. But I feel like I operate from a place of. We're all unique improvisers. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I am, and you are, and mm-hmm. and everybody else who's improvising is a unique improviser. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: Do you strive to be? Like, do you would you want to be? Not at, particularly. I, I don't
1: feel like those two things are different. Do you strive to be, and do you want to be? I think because okay. I. I, it feels really weird and misguided to strive to be unique to me. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this because I think that makes me different than everyone. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, it feels to me like uniqueness is not something you try for. That I I wouldn't, I don't want to try for uniqueness. Uh It feels like the wrong goal, you know?
0: Yes, you're speaking to an Aquarian. For an an Aquarian, uniqueness is very much like, oh yeah, sure, that could be a goal.
1: How do you... Do you pursue uniqueness? Yes. How do you do it?
0: I, for a long time, have wondered, like, what can I contribute to the world that nobody else could contribute?
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: What's my song that I can sing that has never been on the planet before and could not be here but for me? Wow. Yeah. And like... Until I find that, I'm not gonna feel satisfied with my lifetime. That's part of why I've been so excited about the book. Yeah. Is it's your thing. Right, which is kind of funny because it's also our thing because it's based on the podcast. Yeah. And at the same time, this the core the playful mindfulness course is like, yeah, nobody else is doing this. Yeah. And and so it feels really thrilling to me to have found that. Song or that story or that thing to offer, yeah, that nobody else has done.
1: Yeah, I mean, there. Is, I feel like there is sort of like a cultural value on not being a copycat. Like, what's your thing? What's your thing? What's your thing mm-hmm. that you that you have to offer? And it's the thing that I've sort of struggled with when I go when I go places and teach. I'm always like, everybody's got their thing, you know. Like when Tim when Tim Moore goes and and travels he's got his thing that he teaches and it's sort of Timur signature and you know when i go i don't know what i have to i've never known what i have to offer that's different than what anybody else has to offer it's different than not feeling like i don't feel like i'm the same improviser as everybody but i'm like don't
0: know. right
1: we're all talking about the same stuff yeah. you know so i'm not sure how to how to how to set myself apart from anybody else right but it feels like that's Necessary or needed or something. Well, it's kind of And I'd like to be able to do that. Yeah, again, I, I think what you
0: said about striving to be unique, being somewhat problematic. You know, in in the work I did with Patsy Rodenberg,
1: mm-hmm.
0: when she talks about people performing Shakespeare, she says she like really, really coaches people, get yourself out of the way. Mm-hmm. Clear out your ideas of what the interpretation should be and all the stuff you're stacking on top of this. Monologue, or this dialogue, or this speech that this character is giving. Get yourself out of the way mm-hmm. and let the text move through you. Yeah. If you get clean and you have the text move through you, it will be unique and yeah. it will be uniquely you. It's right? like
1: your Eunice. It's like Pam Victor's th- thing of of when we you know the metamorphic circle which is an exercise where you, somebody instigates a sound and a movement, and the person next to them watches them exactly and tries to mimic them exactly. But because it's filtered through a different body and voice, it changes just a little bit. Mm-hmm. It, it has to. Mm-hmm. But nobody's trying to do that, so nobody's striving for uniqueness, and everybody has it because they have their own setup. They've got right. their own apparatus. Um, but they can't teach it, right? So that coming back to me... Yeah. Right, like, how do I teach someone? To, like, I think I'm a different improviser, but I don't know how to teach you to be the improviser that I am. Right, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. So uniqueness is like, but I do value it. I do want to have my thing that I do. That I feel like, oh yeah, I, I did, I did that. Right. So like, well, the Bechdel test has felt really good for that reason.
0: Right. Which you're doing again this month. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I. There are some improvisers who I have seen perform, who to me strike me as not unique. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, I've seen the, I've seen that improviser before mm-hmm. in other people, right? And you are not that way. Like, there is there is a singularity about like when you come on stage or the way you do things, or it's like, oh yeah, no, no, no Lisa Rowland's in the house,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know. So. Again, it's, it's, do you think this, it's something that could be could be taught. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Like can those those improvisers that you're thinking of that you're like, eh, I've seen this improviser before.
0: Well, I, I think maybe it has something to do with what Patsy's teaching is that those improvisers are trying to fit somebody else's mold. Yeah. And so in doing so they become bland. huh. And and a bit lifeless. Yeah. Whereas if they were letting more of themselves through like not trying to be something else and just being themselves then, mm-hmm. it, then that uniqueness would show up. Yeah. There's so you know we've been talking about uniqueness of person personhood. Yeah. But there's also I was thinking about the preciousness of every moment and how each moment is different from the rest and that how easy it is for us in a mindless way to just assume that Oh yeah, it's it's the way it's always been done. I I wouldn't go on autopilot and just kind of not take in the singularity of the moment. And I think that improv is really great at taking that mindfulness principle and illustrating it, like pulling it out and like, what's this, what's now, what's now? Mm. Don't assume you know what this character's gonna do. Mm -hmm. Don't assume you know where they've been or right? It's like pay attention to the details and the more specific you can get then that moment you, becomes its own thing.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, then you're responding to everything that's there. Right. Yeah, and you're not assuming that this moment is just like the last time there was a love story right. or whatever. And it's like, no, that might not be there this time.
0: And the, the more detailed that players can be with their characters or with their choices, the more special a show becomes. Yeah. The more special a scene becomes. And yeah. This, so again, your, so you did the Bechdel test last Saturday night. Yeah show focusing on stories of women and the opening monologue set up these three individual women as these really great characters mm-hmm. and then we go through the show getting to know more and more about them and every detail adds to their wholeness wholeness yeah you know they're not like each other each character is really different so yeah. there's something about the, the improvisational moment that amplifies that to me if it's done well
1: Amplifies what?
0: That that sense of this moment is precious.
1: Precious is is different than unique. Say more. Well, the moment we're living now is precious. Because we have it and we're healthy and alive and well Uh and at the end of our lives we will look back and realize that every moment that we had doing the things that sort of light us up is precious. Uh But I don't know, I mean, I'm sure it's unique in that, you know, we're passing through this moment in time only once and things like that, but like, we've been around this table before doing what we're doing with the cats and whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, And if it's not unique, does that mean it's any less precious? If it's not a unique moment, does that mean it's any less precious? Mm. Could an everyday mundane moment where everything is the same as it was yesterday Mm -hmm. still be precious?
0: That's a great question.
1: Feels like it can to me.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's an affection for the is it an affection for the familiar? Is it because it's familiar? Because it's to have a ritual can be really comforting, and I I, I know that I can really appreciate it. So like I like driving down to Stanford to teach. Yeah. I like getting off at Sand Hill Road. Right. I like timing the lights.
1: Yeah, and it's not because you're going a new way every time no. and making discoveries. It's those that's not a unique path that you're that you're right. driving. But it
0: feels reassuring happy satisfying satisfying to have this thing that yeah this is the way we do it yeah we come in this pathway we go through these trees yeah so yeah it's because it's familiar because it's not unique that yeah. it's pleasing
1: oh boy yeah i don't know that this fits into this conversation i don't know that it hits uniqueness necessarily but The thing, but, but there's a couple of experiences in life that I'm always impressed by because of the ways that they gather people together and the ways that they bind people, like that people will come out for each other because of them Mm -hmm. and they are love and heartbreak and death and birth.
0: Love, heartbreak, death and birth. Yeah,
1: So love and heartbreak are sort of the same, right? Like marriages and breakups and divorces and things, death and birth. Those are not unique experiences everybody has them, right? They happen in individual Mm -hmm. ways, Mm -hmm. but like everybody has or will lose parents. Everybody has or will, you know what I mean? Lose Mm -hmm. people that are close to them. Everybody has or or will probably fall in love and have their heart broken and be in, you know. Yeah, universal
0: emotional experiences. They are
1: universal emotional experiences. They are not unique to you. Mm -hmm. They are shared by humanity. And that makes them no less... Potent mm-hmm. or powerful mm-hmm. and it's not uh, Maybe it's I don't when you're going through it. It's not like oh yes I understand that I'm engaging in a shared universal experience. And that's what makes it impactful. It's impactful because it's impactful, right? It's impactful mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it is life-changing and it touches this deep 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 place inside of us and it's just one of those experiences where I feel like most experiences when they are made common lose their power when the, the more common mm. they are, the less powerful they are. Somehow, mm-hmm. the more routine they are, the less the less powerful. But but these are very common experiences.
0: What's a routine experience that has lost its power for really its routinization? Rutinas- like, uh, mm. Getting a coffee at Starbucks.
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um.
0: Is it like getting a trophy on this? The middle school sports team—if everybody gets a trophy, maybe if you oh. get a
1: trophy every time you play, yeah, it's more and more common, and you're like, nah, okay, yeah, you know. Or if you, um, you know, the more times something happens, the more it loses its uniqueness. Mm-hmm. So if somebody bails on you, if somebody bails on you once out of your friendship, you're like, oh my god, are you okay? Is everything all right? And if they bail on you nine times. You're like, oh, well, that's what happens. <laughs> it is no, it no right. longer carries weight.
0: Right, that's the way it is. It no
1: longer carries weight. It happens all the time. It happens to everybody. Yeah. and I guess the thing is, these don't, these, these experiences happen to everybody, but they don't happen to me a lot.
0: Yeah, they don't happen, They only happen to you once, or at least you're only going to be born once. You're only going to die once.
1: Well, yeah, but you experience that. I mean, you'll experience. I, I don't mean. I mean, I'm not talking about your own death okay. <laughs> or your own birth. If you're a cat, you might have nine. No, but I mean, like if you. It's just those things where it's like when you say like, I broke up with my person and everybody is like, oh, oh God, God." like everybody breaks up, you know what I mean? So like in one way and, and actually the lack of uniqueness there, I find that very comforting in the, that's actually kind of interesting in the moments where, oh my God, this is great. I found my way back to uniqueness. And actually the power of it not, of me not being unique is in painful, in painful moments when things are really hard. It's a
0: shared sorrow.
1: Well, when it's like, yeah, people have been here before. I I don't feel that other people are sharing my sorrow now. That's not the experience, but like, but like, oh yeah, like you're not the only one that has been heartbroken this way or has felt despair this way or... Embarrassed or shame or ashamed this right. way, like you screwed up, you missed something, you 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 know, like you yeah. messed something up, and people have done this before, right. you know, like.
0: Yeah, it's the it's the flip side of we want to be unique. It's like we want belong. we want to be reassured that other people.
1: It doesn't, well, it doesn't, that doesn't feel like the thing. It's like, it can feel overwhelming because it is taking up my entire view of the world. Like, like this emotional experience is clouding my entire view of the world. It's all, it's the only thing I can see. And when it's like, when you can zoom out large enough to be like, oh yeah. And you know what? Like, everybody around you, they've been there. Mm-hmm. And you can see them, and they're okay now. Right. And so it's not like, oh, I take comfort because I feel like I'm a part of a shared experience. It's just like, oh, there's something else after this. I'm not, my, I can survive because all of these people survive. And this is what we do. This is what humans do. Humans make it through things like this. Mm-hmm. You know, whether they are... Um, I'm reading Brene Brown's Daring Greatly okay. right now. And, she, and so it's all about shame and developing shame resilience. And the thing she keeps saying is shame hates having words wrapped around it. It hates it. Shame hates having words wrapped around it. It hates being spoken. The thing you are ashamed of, that shame doesn't want you to name it. Because as long as you haven't named it, you just like keep it hidden away in your little shame cave. It can grow and grow and eat eat at you. And as soon as you name it, you you get to handle it in a different way you get to process it in a different way you know it's like you shine a light on it and it scatters it, yeah. you know it just ma- it becomes so much more manageable when you name the thing and and part of it is like when you're holding it and refusing to share it or tell anybody about it it can convince you that you are uniquely bad
0: right you're the only one yeah so being in a group, a therapy group or a support group is like, no, we're here. You can go ahead. You can speak.
1: it. Yeah, or just calling a friend and being like, this thing happened. And then being like, I hear you. Right. A thing like that happened to me. Or like, man, that sucks. Or, mm-hmm. oh, you're going to be okay. Right. You know, like it doesn't even have to be, it's just like reaching out and seeing that there's like another perspective on this horrible thing you're feeling. Uh-huh. That's interesting. It's like, normally we want to pursue uniqueness, but sometimes it's really nice to realize we're not the only ones. Is there
0: any loop back to that kind of insight, from that insight, to
1: improv? Uh, I don't know. Uh, do you have one? But we're kind of the,
0: the notion of we're in this together, or I'm not alone. I, you know, I think that the, the trials of becoming an improviser, like moving through, one, start, one starts as a beginner, And the the fear of failure and the fear of... It's like I'm always astounded when I'm with beginners how afraid people can be to just even say...
1: Anything. Anything. Yeah.
0: And how joyous it is. Usually this happens in the first class, or the first few moments of a class, when people start to let that go and it softens and like, oh, eyes open wider, and people look to each other and they'll start to connect and talk and... I usually say uh, in the first few moments of class before I've started on the first day, everybody's like sitting there quietly waiting. Yeah. I'll usually point out to a folks that say, I love this moment. This is really cool because nobody's talking to each other. This is the last time this is going to happen. Yeah. And of course, the next time they come to class, they're just blah, blah, blah. They're
1: blah. chatting and yeah, because yeah, yeah. They move
0: through that. But the, that sense of, oh, okay, I'm not the only one who is afraid, who is terrified of doing improv, Mm -hmm. scared to put myself out there. Now we're bonded, so now we can be more expressive. Mm -hmm. So that's one way.
1: Yeah, although it it doesn't feel like the most overwhelming thing is is sharing, is is a shared fear experience. It feels like improv bonds us because because support is a value. Do you know what I mean? Like... Mm we create things to get like we like actively bond with one another it's not like oh thank god you're afraid too good then i feel like i have something in common with you do you know what i mean like we all move okay. from that place of fear but but it doesn't feel like that's actually what's at work in those first okay. day in those first improv moments it oh, feels god. like you recognize it like oh these people are
0: yeah i think that the reassurance that there are other people who are feeling the same it opens some door does that it's like okay now i'm available
1: yeah yeah totally so they so they feel seen yeah,
0: I'm fascinated by this notion that you, that what I'm saying about Aquarius, like Aquarius wants to be un- unique. Yeah, and you're like, that doesn't really particularly resonate for you.
1: Well, I, I, or or does it? I clearly, we we clearly about, not at we were first. About striving striving for uniqueness, yeah. sort of for uniqueness's sake. I don't see it that way. Like a desire to be unique doesn't feel like it motivates. Choices, for instance. Mm -hmm. It doesn't weigh into like, well, I could do this or that, but fewer people have done this, so I'm going to do that. Like that doesn't, that doesn't feel like a measure for me. Mm -hmm. But there are ways in which I notice that my life is different than a lot of other people's lives, and I like that. So there must be some value that I place on being different. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't feel like I have set out to live a different life. You know?
0: Did your parents... Encourage that in any way, like to be your you are distinct, you're special, you're
1: no I, they didn't not, but mm-hmm, i mm-hmm. Th- that I know that I feel like you have reported mm-hmm. getting that message mm-hmm. like you're something special mm-hmm. and like I always felt very loved and supported, right, but I don't recall having that
0: yeah I, I wonder what it would be like <laughs> what would it be like to get the message? you're loved you're you are wonderful you're beautiful we care about you we're glad you're here and you you know you're not a lot different
1: yeah just like all the other kids yeah yeah
0: we're all part of a, a group
1: I actually saw a oh this was a talk at Roni Habib's EQ schools event it, and it was a guy talking about empathy and compassion and how to develop empathy and compassion in the in students. Okay. He was like, it's vital that they don't think that they're special. <laughs> wow. You are enough. You are perfect. You are not special. You're not different than everybody else. You are just like everybody else and you are perfect.
0: So that's interesting. So like all that self-esteem effort that went on for 20, 30 years in schools, counterproductive to the development of empathy. Well, if, if the self-esteem well, was building know. people up to say, you're, you're special, you're, yeah. you're
1: unique. You're not like everybody else. I wish I had those notes because I remember him writing. It was writing, writing, writing down. You are enough. You are loved. I love you for exactly who you are. You are not special. (laughs) You know
0: that's really wild. Yeah. So high
1: levels of validation. Okay. So if you're
0: given that message, but I'm thinking of doesn't it feel good when somebody that we love says? You're special to me. Totally. Like you, I love you in a way that I don't I love, love other people. love you
1: in a different way than I love other people. That's right. It feels so good. Yeah. So like. Oh, to be somebody's special person. Mm-hmm. It's like the best feeling.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, okay. You know, there's that too. So the, I wonder where that teacher's framework fits in with that feeling. You know, when I used to give progress reports to my students, I went out of my way to say something like that. Not you're more special to me than other people are, but I'm going to try to name something that I see in them that is them, that's them, yeah. And like that, probably people aren't don't normally point out uh-huh. and give witness to yeah. and celebrate, yeah. You know, so. It, it might be with some kid who's quieter, it might be the way that they walk into the room and they're looking, they make visual connection with somebody else. Like, I notice that, I see that, I see that you, you're doing that, builds the connection with everybody else, mm-hmm. and that's really important to everything we're trying to do. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow, I, I didn't even know I was doing that.
1: Isn't it so funny, though, that like even in that, so you're unique and we're all unique. I know. Right? <laughs> yeah. We're all unique. We all do things. We all have our own thing. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, again, I mean, it's, it's, it's so, I love this paradox stuff.
1: Yeah. Uh, and,
0: and along these lines, okay, so I'm going to see Hamilton tonight. Right. One of the things I like about seeing it so many times is that each person who plays the role of Hamilton? It, of whoever. Of whoever, yeah. Is doing something different with it. And so you get... I heard one of the actors that was in the first cast that I saw. I was listening to a podcast. And she was talking about that dynamic of even when understudies come in, that the role has a momentum of itself. Mm-hmm. It's do, kind of like the Shakespeare parts. That if you let the role do you, it will carry itself through and it will make the show the show. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, everybody's take on that role is going to be different. Yeah. So Ryan Vasquez's Burr is going to be different from Joshua Henry's Burr is going to be different from whoever's. Yeah. You know?
1: And I, and, and the, so, the, okay, so then the the it feels like if they were to... Be motivated by uniqueness that might just get in their way. That's right. But if they're just like, I'm just going to do what seems right to me. Yeah. The fact that it's what seems right to them is the job is done.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So here's the the, the improv principle of be average comes yeah, to mind. Yeah.
1: Totally. Be average.
0: And and we talk about this a lot when we've taught games like I am a tree or spontaneity games. That if you're trying to be funny, you're trying to be clever, you're probably not going to be. If you just say what's obvious to you, yeah, it's probably going to be funny to other people. If because you go it,
1: out on stage trying to be an excellent improviser, you know, you just, you're just going to be in your head. But what tiresome. if you just go be, just go be average? Yeah. Just go do an average show.
0: And, and don't strive. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm just going to do this because it seems the perfectly natural thing to do. And then other people and are like, per- oh my God, that's brilliant. It's, yeah,
1: it's perfect.
0: Because we never would have thought of it.
1: <sighs> yeah. Okay. What is my, what's, tell, tell me about the mindfulness thing that, that hooked you about this idea of uniqueness.
0: Well, it really came out of the, that question of like speck of dust versus specialness. Mm-hmm. And I think of mindfulness as A
1: special speck of dust. A pile of other special specks of of dust.
0: I think of mindfulness as really training us to see what is. And that sometimes what we find when we see what is can feel disappointing. Because it sort of sucks the life out of a story. It may be deflating. So if I see what really is and I see like, oh, right. Yeah, we're just floating on the earth and the earth is one of eight gazillion planets in the universe and i i can't argue that that really matters right so if i'm looking at it that way
1: yeah right
0: and so to me that's part of like yeah that's true okay so get over yourself
1: get over yourself
0: get over worry about about your your own heartbreak your own troubles your own financial issues your own issues with your parents or your kids or whatever just kind of chill out.
1: Mm-hmm. Galactic
0: sea doesn't matter. And if you want to come back and participate in it as a story, great. Um, so I, I, think that, I think that the mindfulness practice kind of puts us in the presence of that. I don't know if it's sameness, but it's not specialness. Does that make sense?
1: Well, uh, kind of. Like, why is the fact that none of us matter, well, matters for what?
0: Yeah, that's a great question.
1: I mean, matters for what? It's mm-hmm. not like there's an end point that we're all shooting toward. Some
0: would argue there is.
1: What would they argue that it is? Heaven?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, some glorious rapture or some even some unfolding of evolution that there's a destiny and that there's like, life is meant to keep growing and becoming more diverse and more rich. and.
1: Yeah, I just think it's all a big accident.
0: Yeah. I mean, I tend to believe that there is some sort of propulsion towards the direction of life and diversity.
1: Well, there can't help but be. Well, That's what's happening.
0: Right, yeah, I don't know. And I don't know where that comes from. Why is there that impulse? Why is there that momentum? I don't know if it happens places other than Earth.
1: Yeah, does it? Yes.
0: Right? So, like, I guess... It's kind of like this human thing. Like, most human cultures tell stories about like we're what matters most we're the top of the chain of evolution right we're the king and the queen species we're
1: we're the culmination we're the shit yeah
0: yeah we're the pinnacle we're the we're the ones that matter we're the point point. and i don't think no we aren't right i mean we do matter but
1: i guess like that just doesn't seem at all mutually exclusive of loving your experience and getting wrapped up in your stuff and falling in love and and sinking into your heartbreak and Having all of your unique moments. Yeah, like, I, why, I, I why guess. Not? I What's guess. The...
0: I guess it doesn't preclude us from participating in it, but it does maybe caution us or pump the brakes on getting attached to it.
1: Yes, totally. Right. I mean, right for the same reason that that recognizing that everybody in the world experiences these painful. Mm-hmm feelings you can be like ah i am not special right that's nice yeah and the moments where we feel small in the face of incredible natural Mm -hmm. beauty cliffs the moon space it's like oh yeah yeah it's i'm just getting along it's fine yeah it's all fine you know like that seems really healthy to me right
0: well, I mean, this is, I mean, we keep, we always come around, it seems like we always come around to this thing of we, if we go down these roads enough, mindfulness and improvisation, we're eventually going to be getting to this like fundamental experience of humanness where there's just, there's just wonder and participation and hopefully it's delight, but it's like at least experience mm-hmm. of all this stuff that's possible. Mm-hmm. And since we've got the gift of being here, who knows why or how, but we're here. Yeah. And since we've got it, okay, might as well play. Yeah. Might as well play in a skillful way with each other and supporting each other. And this way seems more fun and more pleasing than other ways do. Right? Yeah. So I I guess that's how the, for me, how the mindfulness fits into this notion of uniqueness is to pull away the assumptions of like importance and then to allow something else to come through that actually is important.
1: Mm. What comes through?
0: The word that came to mind is belonging or participation or yeah being part of a larger story or being an, in, an instrument but not the only instrument. It, it's it's echoes of my favorite part of improv which is you know, we're doing something I, I'm contributing to. Wouldn't have happened without me, but I'm not.
1: You're not responsible. I'm not for responsible it. for it. Yeah.
0: And the same thing of singing harmony in a group. Like I'm adding, but if it was just me, it wouldn't sound like what it sounds like. Yeah. Those are, to me, that's the best. That's like the pinnacle of
1: mm-hmm.
0: human living shared, shared efforts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's what I have to say about it. Great. <laughs> Check. <laughs> Anything else that you want to say?
1: Well, I'm thinking about it.
0: This is an opportunity to say something that nobody else would say. Nobody else could possibly say but you, Lisa Rowland.
1: It feels stressful to try to be the only one mm. like me. Mm-hmm. And there's times when I feel... Maybe I've talked about this before. Where I feel like people have an overblown idea of who I am. Oh, Interesting. Like there's times when I there I have experienced times when I have felt like I don't know if I can deliver Lisa Rowland. Oh.
0: Yeah. Have I told you that? No. Yeah. But that makes sense.
1: Like can I be what people expect me to be? People expect this particular level of energy and oh my god, it must be so fun and, and I'm like, what if I'm not? Yeah. What if I'm not that fun? And what if I don't have that much energy? And what if I'm sort of boring today? What if
0: I just want to lie on the couch. What if
1: I just or like I show up and I just don't want to be fun I'm not i f I'm not a funny, fun light of this moment, you know, like <laughs> yeah, it feels yes. weird to say that, both because I judge myself for for
0: on both sides of it. On both sides. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But that's totally cool. But I there love are times that.
1: when like I pick up what and this is like my game, right? Is figuring out what people need to, me to be and then being that thing. Right. That's like my dysfunction. It's Lisa, not dysfunction. It's like my overdeveloped strength. It's
0: also a superpower. It's
1: my weakness. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But Lisa Chameleon, I I've I love both those sides of you. The like, oh cool. Lisa's having a party and everybody's going to be out and there's all these great people and she's going
1: to be buzzing and fun. Yeah, but then
0: every now and then you're like,
1: I'm like, I can't, I can't
0: having a pizza on the couch. I just don't
1: have that in me. And am I less myself because I don't want to do that thing? And if I'm not myself. Am I? I'm trying to think of what the my special and what the analog lovable
0: would be for me. Like people expect me to be Ted.
1: Do they expect you to be wise? Calm. Yeah, calm, calm, wise and reasonable Friendly, and right Profound Yeah, and
0: if I'm not
1: A guide Do you relate to that? Yeah Have you ever been like I don't know if I can be Ted de Maison for these people Like they think Ted de Maison is this thing And I don't have that in me today
0: Uh, That's interesting I don't think that I would experience it as often that way It would be more like I have other parts of me today Like the, the calm, wise guy is in there He doesn't go away think maybe maybe he does sometimes but it's like other parts want to come front and center mm-hmm. no I just want to be rash and I just want to say stuff that like is probably not appropriate and vulgar yeah yeah I want to make some comment that you know could be considered offensive
1: does that ever are you ever worried about that about not showing up in the way that you think people expect you to show oh, up hell yeah yeah Oh, sure. I'm like, I'm not going to be their Ted de Maison.
0: Oh, 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 that way. No. No. I don't, it doesn't. I'm more concerned about showing up in a way, not because it would, uh, showing up in a way that would go against that. Not because it's, it's not the going against that, that would be the concern. It's that the other ways of being are problematic to me in the world. Does that make sense?
1: The other ways, is you don't want to be those other. I don't want being. to
0: be. I don't want to be rash, flying off the handle.
1: Uh huh.
0: You know that kind of dangerous, destructive, hurt other people kind of guy. Yeah. With my words. Right. But sometimes it's fun to just say stuff, and not worry about whether it's hurting other. people. Do you
1: people. ever do that?
0: Very limited scenarios. I'm
1: like, I can't remember what. I don't know that I've heard it, and I feel pretty in private close conversation.
0: To you. Talking about other people. Yeah.
1: Like rarely. Yeah. It's and it's rare. pretty. It's pretty rare. It's
0: <laughs> right. My Like
1: flying off a handle is not a <laughs> phrase I would ever use. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, it's I am pretty guarded with my speech. There's a lot of filters that go through before yeah. words come out yeah. usually. Yeah, yeah. Which is why when I have avenues to let that through. Yeah. It's really refreshing and energizing and But yeah, it feels risky. Yeah. That that notion of having to live up to other people's expectations of are you gonna be Lisa Rowland today? Am I gonna be Ted Damaison? That's a really interesting notion.
1: Yeah. And I've had people sort of make assumptions about who I am based on one piece of my personality. And I'm like, you don't know me. Right. Well, so
0: that's like what
1: you know, people are like, Oh, I bet you were I bet you were the life of the party in high school. And I'm like, You have no idea. Right. Like
0: well, so that, that's interesting because... The, the, I was
1: the most awkward kid in high school. Your
0: uniqueness... What what other people see as our uniqueness may be just our persona. Right? And our uniqueness encompasses the persona and all these other parts of ourselves that yeah. don't usually come out. Which
1: is what the Bechdel test is about. Say more. It's all about going past the sort of broad strokes title of the what kind side. of person... Mm-hmm. Well. Not the shiny side, but like what? What kind of person is this? Okay. Ah, the high-powered professional. Oh, right. Okay. Got it. I know who that is. The uh, emotional, disorganized artist. I mm-hmm. know who that is. The you know like yeah
0: whatever it is stereotypical. Yeah. And so we see the
1: and so it's the like high-powered when professional may... executive. So, we
0: also see her struggling at home to feed her kid, or
1: yeah, or some other or or anything else. I mean, yeah. any any kind of the high-powered executive. Is a really loving mother, right? Not struggling at home to feed her kid, okay. but maybe struggling at home right. to feed her kid. But like, also has this side where she's, uh, you know, she like loves scrapbooking yeah. and like doesn't tell anybody but loves scrapbooking, yeah. or she is, you know, um, enjoys walking to the post office, getting to her drop pilot's the mail. license, or loves, yeah. you know, like whatever. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Grew up on a farm mm-hmm. that dismantles that uh, the idea that we get who someone right. is, and I guess the, the moments when I have felt. Like, I'm going to disappoint who you think I am is generally like that broad stroke subject heading of of Lisa Rowland is, I don't have that mm-hmm. in me right now. Because mm-hmm. I, sometimes I feel like that takes energy. <laughs>
0: I would imagine it does. You know? I don't know. I can't like, say for yeah. sure because I don't, I'm not you. Right. I'd be tired in about five minutes, I think, of being you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think
1: that's true. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, and the, and, the, and the incredible, like, liberation I feel when I'm like, you know what? I don't have to show up as mm-hmm. their idea of who I am. Mm-hmm. I think I get to show up as who I am. Mm-hmm. Especially because I don't always know what other people are expecting. Like, I think I know what other people are expecting of me, but usually they're... Yeah.
0: Well, and as you're saying that, I'm thinking we probably do that with ourselves, too.
1: Exactly. I can't show up unless I am this way.
0: Yeah. Or, or even I think I know who I am.
1: Mm. because I've
0: lived all these patterns. Like, yeah, I'm this guy who... I'm
1: the kind of person who...
0: X, Y, Z. And it's like, maybe there's some other parts internally that are going like,
1: hey, hey. You could be this other. You could do these other things. You don't
0: know me yet, but I'm I'm in here.
1: I'm in here, yeah. Ding dong. That's actually so powerful.
0: Yeah, other parts of us waiting to come out.
1: Like we've defined ourselves in these broad strokes. Well, you know, I'm a blank.
0: Mm -hmm. It's
1: like, can we hold the incredible complexities of who we are.
0: There's a great exercise that's part of a it's part of a mindfulness practice of playing with identity and loosening up the sense of who I am. Mm-hmm. And you just have somebody listening who just repeats the question, who are, mm-hmm. who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And the other person just keeps
1: keeps producing keeps, keeps producing responses
0: and you go for like 5 minutes, 10 minutes. Yeah. And just all sorts of stuff comes out. And it's kind of like when we play the game three things and extend it out to seven things or nine things, then when you get to six, seven, eight, nine, like the brain short circuits and random stuff comes out much more interesting. So after five minutes of I am, I am, I am, then like, oh, really? I'm a, you know, a piece of parchment floating in the wind? Like, what does that mean? (laughs) But then you go back and you listen to them or you read them and you think, oh, Yeah, actually, that makes sense. Hmm. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. Okay, I feel like we could go on. But maybe best to wrap up. Let's wrap it up. I'm going to wrap it up. When you said that, I thought of an an ace bandage. Okay. So circling around, circling around the topic. Great. Maybe a little snug fit, fold in the edge of the last bit of ace bandage and then get the metal clip. Uh Uh-huh. Clip
1: that up. I love it. Boom. And your joint is reinforced. Okay. Yeah. Flex well. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: Yeah. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Yeah,
1: there it was. It felt sort of...
0: It was a unique episode.
1: Yeah. They all are, aren't we, they?
0: We've never done an episode like that we before. We have
1: not ever done an episode like that before.
0: But uh, hopefully, that was stimulating for you. Are you leaving with anything in particular, Lisa Rowland? Mm. The Lisa Rowland that I know? Yeah, right. And hold up as a paragon of Lisa rowland Oh,
1: God. I can't be that that much Lisa Rowland. Oh, I think I'll, I'll sort of question this. Like, how, how unique do I want to be? And what does that mean? And... Like, when you look at somebody that you don't think is unique, what is that? Like, I think you just haven't learned them well enough yet. You know? Like, that's what I think. is like, oh, the ways that I think I'm unique. Like, hold on. Everybody's got ways. And I sort of love that all of us are unique. Every single one of us. Right. It's sort of like that. That's sort of a lot. I just like that.
0: Yeah. I I think... That that paradox. How uninteresting some people are to me because they are playing by everybody else's rules Mm -hmm. that's how much I love not necessarily not necessarily the maverick but the person who's saying I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out what is my way in this world Mm -hmm. so I think coming back to the astrology thing I think there is something Aquarian I just love that I really when people are making their own way Mm mm-hmm that's very appealing to me yeah I'm, I'm thinking about the thing that you introduced this notion of, of the educator who said you matter you're loved you're, not you're special. welcome but you're not special yeah and I'm, I want to play with that a little bit in terms of how I relate to other people yeah because I definitely think I do tread in the in the waters of trying to make people feel special mm-hmm. and trying to be somebody who amplifies their specialness mm-hmm or brings it out or celebrates it, and what would it be like to not celebrate that, but to celebrate their worthiness in some other way?
1: You're special. You're just not more special than anybody else. Right, yeah. That's it. You're not more special than anybody else. Yeah. You're special in the same way that everybody else is special.
0: I'm interested to play with that a little bit. Yeah.
1: But it's funny, right, because you gave those notes to every student. I did. So, like, they were special like everybody else was special.
0: True. True. And then coming back to that the good feeling of feeling particularly special to a loved one. Mm-hmm. There were students, I'm not ashamed to say, there were students of like, no, this, this student is awesome. Mm-hmm. I really like, I like this one. I want more of this one. Yeah. In my classes. You know? Yeah. So, it's it's fun, I'm, I'm, I'm now seeing this dynamic with more nuance than I was before, mm-hmm. our conversation. Yeah.
1: It's nice to feel special. It is nice to feel special. Yeah.
0: Any updates, reports, invitations to offer to the the clan?
1: Yeah. My cousin, Joanna Rowland, wrote a book called Stay Through the Storm. And it's a Mm. children's book, but it is so beautiful. It's lovely. About a friend who comforts another friend during a storm and stays with her and says, it's okay for you to feel afraid, I'll be right here. I'm not gonna leave you. We'll do this together and we'll play games and we'll count the seconds between the thunder and the lightning so we know how close it is and we'll cuddle up under blankets and I'll stay with you. We'll stay through the storm, don't leave. And it's this like beautiful testament to friendship and weathering things. It's called Stay Through the Storm by Joanna Rowland. Can they get it on Amazon? You can get it on Amazon, on Amazon.
0: Or other bookstores.
1: I assume so, but yeah, I know cool. you can get it on Amazon.
0: Great, it's a lovely book.
1: So that's an update that I have for you.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I'll And say you can
1: come see the Bechdel test any Saturday in May. At Bats <laughs> at, at bats Fort in Mason Provence, San in San
0: Francisco, which is great. I'll be at most of those. And uh, of course, Playful Mindfulness, the book, mm-hmm. hardcover, paperback, audiobook, ebook—your pleasure. We'll we'll meet your pleasure.
1: I bet you could get it signed by the author. If you order
0: it directly from playfulmindfulness.info, you could have it signed by the author. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, reach out for that. That'd be great. We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Cool. And if you want to contact us, info at
1: MonsterBabyPodcast.com. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.
0: Ciao, ciao. Be well.
1: Bye.